Praise the Lord. Please join me in a brief word of prayer and we'll get into the word of God. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, thank you again for what you've already done. Uh, thank you for the work you're doing at Pearls of Grace. Thank you, Father, uh, how you're using uh, Teresa and her team out there, Lord. Uh, thank you for the, the gift of uh, Adam and Emily, Lord. Uh, they've been a real blessing to our church family, and it's uh, been an honor uh, to be involved in their lives and to see them grow uh, in you, Lord. And Lord, thank you for what you've already done in us this morning. You've ministered to us in substantive ways already, Lord, and we are grateful to you for that. And Lord, we just ask you to continue to minister to us through your word. Speak to us, Lord, and we will obey in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to be in the book of Joshua chapter 2 today, and this is week 2 of a series I started last week called Hidden Figures. And I told you last week the inspiration behind that is the movie Hidden Figures, which highlighted women who played a significant role in some of the wonderful and awesome achievements that happened during the world during the world war time when men were out in battle. Um women who served as computers. They're calculating and made possible these achievements such as moon landing and, and achievements uh, that helped us win wars and uh, helped us advance technologically and everything. And so the people on the front lines are the ones that get the attention. The ones in the battlefield are the ones that are stepping foot on the moon and so forth. But we're we do need to pay respect. We do need to learn and appreciate and respect the efforts of those who were in the background whom without their contributions, those great achievements could not have happened. And so we're endeavoring to go into the Bible to see such hidden figures. And um, I'll be concluding this series on Mother's Day. We're doing a series of different women in the Bible who themselves are hidden figures. Their stories don't get much, atten don't get much attention. We either don't know them, skip over them, or don't give them the attention and respect that they deserve. Last week, it was Tamar from Genesis chapter, chapter 38. This week, it's Rahab from Joshua chapter 2. I'll start at the first verse. And remember, just like last week, I said we can't look at her story in a vacuum with Tamar. Her story had to be told within the context of the larger story that was being told with Judah, being out of the will of God and being in sin and rebellion and how that uh, impacted her and the choices that she had to make. The same is true here. Rahab is the title of the message is Rahab from disreputable to honored woman of faith. And we'll start at verse one. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies 
saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. Now notice, we don't get anything else about this woman other than her profession. Rahab, the prostitute, not the daughter, right? Not the professional woman or whatever, not the woman of character. We know nothing about her other than she's a prostitute. So she's a person of ill repute here. So these spies went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. I'm going to continue, but I want to stop here and, and really kind of paint the picture for you what's going on here. You know, God has elevated Joshua up to be the leader in place of Moses. They, they are in the process of preparing to actually take a hold of the land that God has given them. And they're sending spies out into the land, Joshua is. And they come into this place of this prostitute's house. And the king is on high alert. He's got spies. They're worried about the, the children of Israel. They're, they're worried about these people because the report, the fame has gone abroad about what God has done for them. They've just destroyed Sihon and Og. They've heard all the stories from, the, from Egypt to the Red Sea and everything in between, and they're worried about them possibly being next. So the king has his own watchers. And notice, they knew where the spies were from. They knew that the spies were there, and they knew the king knew that, that the spies went into her house. Now, the choice before Rahab is, okay, I am a citizen of this place. If I help these spies, then what does that make her? It makes her a traitor. She can't help them without betraying her own king. And that means death. This is a serious thing she's doing here. And what if these guys had decided not to take her word for it and they decided to do a thorough sweep of the house, including the roof, and found them in the flax and confirmed that she had lied? Because she's committed when she tells the lie. And if that had happened, then at, at the very least, she's being marched out and killed with the spies but, you know, it's likely that not only her, but her entire family 
gets marched out there and gets dealt with. This is high stakes. The highest of stakes. You know, this isn't a James Bond movie. She is not a super spy. This is not something that she signed up for or anything or waters that she typically wades into. But she's made a choice. To forsake loyalty to the kingdom she was born in and grew up in and lived in and help these spies sent by the man of God to spy out the land. Let's continue and, and see why. So after she sends them off, verse 8, before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to them, this is awesome. This is a woman who didn't grow up in Israel, right? She, does, she doesn't know God. She doesn't go to church. But she says, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Hallelujah. You talk about a, a declaration of faith. This woman has faith in their God. I know the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us. She's like everybody in the kingdom is stricken with fear. Because of you and the God who leads you. And that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And we've heard what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. My goodness, this is, are you hearing this? This is a woman who grew up in enemy land. This is a woman who is a prostitute who sells her body for a living. She is a member of the enemy. But she heard. She heard. You know, the Sihon and Og devoting them to destruction was a recent occurrence. Drying up the Red Sea was at least four decades earlier. So she's got a history of 40 years of God being strong on their behalf, of God doing the impossible, doing the unthinkable, of God fighting their battles and making them victorious over whatever power and whatever enemy that they faced. And their hearts had melted and they were in fear. And so this, this woman... Well, she she could have she could have done my job. It sounds like she is amazing. This is her personal 
declaration of faith. You know, it takes faith to say that your God, he's God in heaven and on the earth. Those things we worship as gods are not real gods, but your God, he's the real deal. And because he's the real deal, she's acting on faith. She made it, that's, that's what drove her choice. You know, she's lived all of her life in that society. She knows it probably inside and out. She's dealt with dignitaries who aren't very dignified whenever they're coming to see her for her services. She's seen injustice. She's seen the hypocrisy. She's seen all this. But, but what she's heard about their God has rung true to her. And she decided to go with what's real versus what's not. She decided to go with the true God that has displayed real might, real power, that has moved heaven and earth for his people rather than some carved image that's little more than an idea. She believes in their God. And the evidence that she does is in her actions. Yeah, this could cost me my life, but it's worth the risk because their God is the real deal. And the world needs to know that our God is the real deal. That's why the world needs more than just platitudes and words. They need, they need to see the people of God acting like God is real. Acting like God's word is true. Now, I don't mean acting like as though you're pretending and faking it. I mean, God's word said it. That is the truth. And if God called me to do this, then I'm going to do it. I don't know how it's going to happen, but God's going to make it work. But I'm going to obey what God told me to do. Because he's God in heaven and in, and in earth. Amen? I'm not going to freak out when everybody else freaks out. I'm not going to get ticked off when everybody else gets ticked off. What I'm going to do is turn to God and look for him to direct me in the way that I should go. Because he controls it all. And there's nothing that's going to happen lest he allow it. So I don't have to stop everything. God's the one fighting the battle. So here we go. I just, I just wanted to highlight, you ought to underline, highlight that faith-filled profession of hers, that declaration that she made. She didn't say, we feel this way. She knows the Spirit left the people there. She knows that they are fearful. She knows that they are scared to death that they might be next. Their hearts have melted. And she said, the reason that's the case is because the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now then, and here she is. She, she has chosen sides. Now then, 
Verse 12, please swear to me by the Lord. And she's calling him the Lord. Isn't that, <laughs> isn't that amazing? She's calling him the Lord. She didn't say your Lord, the Lord. Please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. They're cutting a covenant right here. Right? There's risks on both sides. If she's found out, her and her family are killed. If they're found out, they're putting their trust in a prostitute. I'm, I'm just telling it like it is. Right? When you think of paragons of virtue, people whose word you can take to the bank, right? Somebody whom you can, you know, be in the foxhole with and not worry about them betraying you for their own benefit. High on the list is not prostitutes. Right? So there is risk, and they both have cut a covenant that requires them having some faith in one another, right? Or some trust in one another that they're each going to keep their word. But overarching this whole thing is God is doing something. He's arranging the chess pieces on the board and, and he's preparing them to go in and advance and begin the assault meant to take possession of the land that he promised to Abraham. Then she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. That's perfectly strategic place. What better to end up lodging somewhere than in the wall that had to come down? So you can go in and out of Jericho from that wall, from her room. <laughs> she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, go into the hills or the pursuers will encounter you. And hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then after you may, then afterward, you may go your way. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And, and she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. The spies are acting on faith of what they know is going to go down. What they know God is going to do. Rahab, from the other side of the wall, from the other side on the enemy side, is acting in faith. 
for what she knows God is going to do. Right? We've got people from different sides of the track who fear God. And they're cutting covenant that requires risk on both sides. But neither of them have any doubt about what God is going to do. You know, it's time to lose the doubt. At least as far as what God is going to do. It's time to be settled, right? It's time to know that we know that we know and that there's no wavering on the word of God. There's no wavering on the character and will of our God. There's no wavering on whether God's going to come through when we need him to. And there's no wavering on whether or not we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. A lot of, our, a lot of us out there trying to prove that we're more than conquerors. You ain't got to prove nothing. You got to do what God tells you to do, what God leads you to do, what God's gifted you to do. Right? We've got nothing to prove to anybody. What we've got to do is show forth his goodness, show forth his glory. As we go about doing his work, God's going, the spirit of God is going to manifest the power and glory of God in ways that are going to speak to those who don't know him. Didn't anybody really come and preach to Rahab to make her have faith in the God of the Hebrews, she heard the stories and knew that they weren't fictional. These were real occurrences. And you don't have to be the most virtuous person in the world to recognize the work of God when it happens. And I love the advice that she gave them. Remember, they closed the gate. When she sent them on that wild goose chase, they're outside the gate looking for the guys that she hid up on the roof of her house, but she told them that they left. So they're out there searching. And so knowing that they're out there searching, she knows they're going to be searching out there for three days. And so she tells them where not to go because if you go there, you're going to encounter them. You're going to run into them and it's not going to go well with you. Here's where you need to stay. Stay there for three days and after three days, then you can go on your way. She's bent over backwards to help these guys out because she knows. She knows about their God. And uh, the two spies returned and told Joshua everything that happened to them and what they learned about the enemy. Joshua couldn't have gotten a better report. Hey, we got an insider helping us out. And that person has told us, man, they don't, they don't want any part of us. Their hearts have melted. They don't have any courage in them. Man, and, and what was their conclusion? In verse 24, if you skip down to verse 24, that same chapter, their conclusion was, there, here's the conclusion of their report. Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands. 
And also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. That's, that, that's the report. Okay, how reliable is your source? Who told you? <laughs> well, there's this prostitute. I'm telling you, sometimes we can take a look at what somebody has done for a living or what they've done and what their story and what their histories are, and we can write them off just because of our judgments against them. And if we're open, right, if we're operating in accordance with God's will and we encounter them and we look at them as potentially God's provision to aid us in what he's called us to do, that there may be a rich, there may be a re, they may be a rich resource for us there. The, the, the Bible doesn't describe her as anything other than a prostitute, but I tell you what, I tell you what, she is courageous. She's a hero in this story. Because whether we want to acknowledge it or not, she's hurt by her own choice. She's become a part of the Lord's army. How many, how many armies recruit prostitutes? But she's not acting as a prostitute right now. She's, she, she's acting like any one of us would. She sees the handwriting on the wall. Uh, I admire that she's not so selfish that she's just worried about herself. She cut a covenant with them to save not only herself, but her parents, her siblings, everybody that depends on her father, everybody as a part of her household and everything. She, she made a, a covenant to bring in everybody. Just, you know, this is a, a promised land version of Noah's Ark. All of Noah's family went into the ark with him. This destruction was going to be total of this place, just like the flood. And yet this family, her family, is going to be spared. Uh, skip on over to chapter 6 of Joshua, starting at the 20th verse. I want to pick up, they went into the land Y'all know the story. They marched around the wall. The wall came down. Verse 20 says, So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction. They laid waste to everybody and everything, both men and women, young and old, ox, sheep, and donkeys with the edge of the sword. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. 
So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her, and they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Verse 25, but Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. This tells me God will save anyone who comes to him in faith. No matter what environment you grew up in, no matter what lifestyle or what your lifestyle has been, if you come to God in faith, the salvation of the Lord is his gift to you. Even on the day that her and her house was spared, they can't stop calling or referring to her as the prostitute. So there has not been this huge shift yet. That's what she's known as, the prostitute. And yet, this prostitute, this disreputable woman, had faith that saved her. She put her faith in God. She didn't deserve it. She didn't earn it. It's actually a foreshadowing of what salvation would be based on for us. You know, this wasn't merit-based. It was her faith that led to her salvation. I hope you're seeing that in here. Faith in action. Because, see, she could have tried to play both sides. She could have tried to be safe, not knowing which way the tide was going to go. But she, she put both feet into the camp of God and says, succeed or fail, live or die, one way or another, I, put my, I planted my flag in God's camp. She believed in her God, I mean, in their God. She heard the stories and she believed. And she is risking or basing her entire life on what she believes to be true. That if their God's will is for them to take this land, there's nothing we or anybody else can do about it. <laughs> so I might as well side with God. If God will do it for a prostitute, he'll do it for you. And to me, again, that is what she did. You know, the Bible doesn't say she continued as a prostitute. That was her story. That was her history. That's what she did. That's what she was known for. But, but her life changed the moment she put faith in God. Right? God saves to the utmost. Right? He clean, he knows how to clean us up and 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 change our lives forever. Amen? Amen. 
And let's just see this simple, it, 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 it looks simple when you just read it, but when you really reflect and think about it, you see how hard the choices were. You see the stakes that were involved. And, and we can respect the position that she was in when she made the decision to go with God. Hebrews 11, join me there. Hebrews chapter 11, starting at the 30th verse. This woman that the Bible only describes as a prostitute, she's included in the heroes of faith. She's one of two women that are listed. But it says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Verse 31, by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And that lets us know, in Hebrews, we, that lets us know what drove her and what motivated her. She, she made the decision she made by faith. By faith in God. Not in her own abilities or, you know, believing in self and, and all those other things. She believed the report about God. And her actions, her actions were faith acts. By faith, she did what she did. If I side with them, then when God lays waste this land and gives it to his people, he will save me and those that I love, the salvation of the Lord. She didn't just, you know, how I want to put this. There is a difference between belief and faith. You can believe something that doesn't require anything of you. But faith demands action. I said faith demands action. Scripture says, oh, you believe? You believe in Jesus? Okay, well, the devil's believing him too. You know, anyone can believe something. But will you humble yourself and place your faith in Christ Jesus? That's where the salvation comes in. James chapter 2 Verse 25 and 26 say this, and in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute? They just can't stop. They can't just say Rahab. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Like I said earlier, as an application, a point of application, there is a difference between belief and faith. Faith demands action. That's why God's word tells us not to speak by faith, but to walk by faith. You belong to God, walk like you belong to God. You trust in God, walk like you trust in God. 
You believe God's word is true? Walk like God's word is true. Conduct yourself like you ought to conduct yourself as a representative of the Lord. You know, there's forgiveness when we fall, but, it's, but, but are we on a definite course that we are unrelenting in? If I fall, I'm going to repent, get back up, and stay on the course that God's marked out for me because I'm devoted to the way of the Lord. Life may hit me, and it may get me in my feelings and so forth, but feelings don't direct me. I'm not going to let emotions direct me. I'm going to let the Word of God I'm going to let the spirit of the living God lead me in the way that I should go because I'm devoted to him. And I'm devoted to his will being made real in my life. He told us to walk by faith. In the book of James, it tells us God's word tells us to demonstrate our faith by action. Faith without works, he says, is dead, or I, I, as I put it down here, he says that faith without action has no life. Faith not acted out, faith not acted on has no life to offer. I want to close in Matthew chapter 1. I'll be probably closing in this same passage next week once we uh, cover our next um, hidden figure, which is Ruth. I encourage you to come back next week and hear about that. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. But not only is she in the list of heroes of faith, Rahab, but she's also in the genealogy of Jesus. Starting at the first verse, it says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Remember last week I told you Tamar was in that genealogy as well. And Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amenadab, and Amenadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Solomon, and Solomon the father of Boaz by Rahab. So next week's character married the son of a prostitute. Interesting. Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. Well, I'm not going to do that this week. The Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Isn't it interesting? The Bible does not cut out any of this stuff. Doesn't even say Solomon by David's wife Bathsheba. No, Solomon by the wife of Uriah. That's who, <laughs> that's whose wife she was. David's murder 
David's actions took her, took him away from her, but he's not cutting him any slack here. You know, I've said this before, I can't remember how long ago, but all of us have family. And family oftentimes isn't, our family is not, doesn't always live up to the image we project of our family to the general public. That, that there, there, are some, there are some areas, there are some sides of our family, there are some, some things going on within the family that we just don't feel is anybody else's business and we'd rather people not know about it because it's embarrassing to us. Right? But God puts it all out there. He puts it all out there. You know? Because he's like, look, you can't be so disreputable that God won't take you into his family. Right? You can't be too embarrassing for God. Right? God will redeem your story and he'll put all the details out there from where you were to, to, to what you did in placing your faith in him to what you're transfer, transformed into through relationship with him. He's not ashamed of you. Isn't, isn't it wonderful to be fully known by God and yet the stuff that we're ashamed about, God's not ashamed at all? He was not ashamed to have a prostitute be a part of the genealogy of the Messiah. Not only was he not afraid, this was all a part of the narrative, all a part of the plan, all a part of God's will from the very beginning. It's foreshadowing that the Messiah who would come, who would be son of both Abraham and, uh, um, uh, Abraham and David, When that Messiah came and that Messiah died as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, it wasn't just going to be for the good people. It wasn't going to be just for royalty or for the law-abiding people or for the people with a good reputation or, or for people who are, you know, who are looked up to people who are pillars of society. No, 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 no. He wanted people to know that the Ruths, the Tamars, the Rahabs, are loved by him, are welcomed by him. And they are welcome into the family. All they got to do is place their faith and trust in him. You know, uh, in closing, uh, when we uh, were in, uh, what was it, uh, the sixth chapter of Joshua, in that 25th verse, it says that from that moment on, she lived in Israel. Right? So she was grafted in. She was accepted into the community. Her faith, God using her, you know, her faith made her part of the family. And despite the fact that she came 
from a pagan country and she was not a Hebrew. She was not Israeli by birth. She married Solomon. who I believe was a son of a prince, which tells you how highly regarded she was by the people of God, that it was not a shame for a man of God to marry this woman who had the history that she had. Right? What she was, what she used to be, she wasn't no more. She used to be a disreputable, a woman of disrepute. But after placing faith in God, she was no longer what she used to be. She became a woman of faith in the one true God. And, and, and from that moment on, she was honored. She she wasn't just on the margins of society and looked down on. She was looked up to. From disreputable to honored woman of faith. And a woman that Jesus is proud to call in the flesh one of his ancestors. <laughs> I'm going to ask you all to stand. And I pray that this has blessed you today. I don't know your story. I don't know what town you originate from. I don't know your, your household might be a mess. Your family might be a mess. You might be a mess. I don't know what you do for a living or what you used to do for a living. What I do know that regardless, regardless of what's in your rearview mirror, regardless of what you've done. There is nothing that you could have done that makes you beyond God's redemption. And he doesn't ask much of you, but he, but he asked you to make a choice, to make a decision. No, no one foot in the world, no one foot with God, but make a, but make a choice. Are you all in? Are you willing to go all in with God? If you're willing to go all in with God, it's not without risk. He doesn't lie about that. There's risk involved. You may get cut off from some people. It may bring some trials and tribulations that you didn't count on. But let me tell you this, and I'm confident that Rahab would amen this. Whatever the risk is, is nothing compared to the reward. Amen. Hallelujah. And if you are here today and you are ready to make that total commitment to God. Then today is your day. Right now is your moment to do that. 
right? And I, I'm not going to beg because I believe that doesn't do God justice. What Jesus did, he did for love. He willingly laid down his life for us. And the salvation of the Lord is yours as a gift. And all you need to do is humble yourself and be willing to place your faith in God. Commit to him, to his will, to his way, to his word as truth. And say, Lord, I am repenting. I am abandoning a life that's self-controlled. I'm abandoning a life that is friends with the world. And I am going all in with you. If that's you today, if you haven't done that, if that's you today, please come. If there was any doubt that God would accept you, feel like a hypocrite, you think God will turn you away, he's done with you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. That's a lie from the devil himself. The truth is that God loves you. And he would be overjoyed to have you turn to him and fully commit yourself to him that he might save you to the utmost and write your name in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. 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 I want to ask you all to bow your heads and just reflect.